Well, good morning and a very warm welcome to our service today. My name is Ken Carter. I'm a member of Brighton Road Baptist and it's my privilege to be leading us in this worship service this morning. This week we're continuing in our series entitled The Sayings of Jesus and our minister Tim will be speaking to us on that topic a little later in the service as we explore the parable of the mustard seed in Matthew's Gospel. And I'm delighted that we'll have contributions from other members of our church family too. So wherever you're worshipping from today, we hope you will feel a real connection with all of our congregation here in Horsham and our extended church family around the country and indeed abroad. And we pray you will sense God's presence with you as we sing together, as we bring him our prayers and as we listen to his word. A good friend of mine recently described a sermon he'd read entitled, He Could Have, But He Didn't. And there's a little incident in Luke's Gospel in chapter 9 where a certain town was particularly unwelcoming to Jesus and his disciples. And James and John asked him, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to destroy them? But Jesus rebuked them and immediately set off for the next town. In short, he could have, but he didn't. And if we consider the last week of Jesus' life, when the cross is near and death is imminent, and Jesus and his disciples are gathered in the Garden of Gethsemane, where in Matthew 26, verse 53, Jesus says, Do you think I cannot call on my Father, and he will put at my disposal 10,000 angels? And I think our immediate thought when we read that today is, wow, that really would have sorted out the Pharisees and the Roman authorities. And he could have, but he didn't. Because Jesus knew what he was here to do. He knew his mission was to save us. And because he loved us, he chose to put our lives ahead of his. And in Paul's letter to the Philippians and in chapter 2, we find both an explanation for Jesus' stance in these situations and clear instructions about how we as Christians should respond, both as individuals and as a body of God's people. And in chapter 2, verse 5, he writes, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. But Paul goes on, Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. In his life here on earth, there are many instances where Jesus could have unleashed armies of angels to save himself, but he didn't. Instead, he gave his life for us, and because of his sacrifice, we now have a place in glory with him. This is the Lord and Saviour 
that we worship today, who loves us unconditionally, who is here with us by his Spirit. And our opening song exhorts us to respond and worship. Men of faith, rise up and sing to the great and glorious King. Let's worship God together. Let's pray together, shall we? Almighty God, you are a God of compassion and love. Time after time we have experienced your care and provision. Time after time you have answered our prayers and met our needs, often in ways we could never have dreamed possible. We thank you and praise you for your faithful love towards us. Merciful God, you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, to show us a different way to live, the way of deep humility and obedience. You've called us to love one another and to work together with one heart and mind, balancing our needs with the needs of those around us. Give us courage, we pray, to follow faithfully and with integrity the actions that bear witness to the words we speak 
and worship that overflows into our daily lives and relationships so that our lives will bring glory and honour to you, our Redeemer and Lord. Amen. Our reading this morning and the passage that Tim will be focusing on a little later in the service is taken from Matthew chapter 13 and verses 31 and 32. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. And Jesus said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God? What parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which, when sown on the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet, when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. We are the evidence of this great truth. The living branches of God's kingdom, redeemed by the power of the cross. We've been grafted into his family, adopted as sons, and commissioned as saints. Therefore we go, proclaiming the king and his coming kingdom, empowered by the spirit. We are sent to sow the seed of the gospel, among every tribe, tongue, language, and people. What a mighty God we serve, ruler of heaven and earth, worthy of our every word, every thought, every breath. We exist to make his name known. He is our Father, undying in love. He is our Lord, our Redeemer, our King. He is enthroned forever. By the work of Christ alone, we are united in Him, heirs of the kingdom of God, reminded by the humblest of seeds. Let's pray together. Lord, we give you thanks for the word that you hide like a treasure in our hearts, for the way in which it is able to penetrate every area of our life, for the seed that is able to grow into a mighty plant. Help us to value and honour all that you have given to us, to make following Christ the most important thing in our daily lives, to concentrate above all upon doing your will and sharing your love and the good news you have proclaimed through Jesus with one another and with the world. Amen. In a few moments, Carol Mansfield will be leading us in our prayers for the world. 
But first we're going to sing our next song, which enables us to express our faith and commitment to God in response to his faithfulness to us. We will stand as children of the promise. We will fix our eyes on him, our soul's reward, till the race is finished and the work is done. We'll walk by faith and not by sight. By faith, we see the hand of God.
shall we pray? Almighty God and loving Heavenly Father, we pray to you in confidence that you will hear and answer our prayers of concern for the upside-down troubled world in which we are living, where so many infected by the coronavirus have not survived, leaving family members and friends distraught and heartbroken. So many, Father, have needed and continue to need your comfort. May they know your love reaching out to them and respond. Daily life is far from what has been normal and for many fast-paced, causing chaos, uncertainty and worries about the future. Loving God, we thank you that all our anxieties and all our cares we can bring to you because you care for us. But we would not just think of ourselves and those closest to us, but our thoughts and prayers go much further afield to countries beyond our shores. There has been news on Radio 4 in the past two weeks that the coronavirus is out of control in Pakistan. Merciful God, would you give help and guidance to those searching for serious answers to the situation in that country. And we especially pray for Christians in Pakistan, India and Sri Lanka, where discrimination and persecution is increasing. We pray that you will enable Christians in the midst of suffering to stay strong in their faith. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Father God, we pray for the work of the Bible Society, as due to the COVID-19 pandemic fallout, their work is at risk in 88 nations, where Bible Society offices face closure due to the plummeting sales of Bibles and income. Lord, you know, through their work, your word has been changing lives. And now more than ever, people are looking for answers and need your word. We pray that those who support the work of the Bible Society will rise to the challenge that the work will continue. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Thirdly, we pray for the continuing work of Tear Fund and all its staff. Would you keep them safe, encourage them, lead and guide them in their service for you? And we thank you for the differences that their work brings, providing solar equipment to bring light to homes in the evenings for some families in Rwanda, keeping them safe from attacks by wild animals and scorpions who are deterred by the light. Continue to bless their work, we pray. Lord, we now pray for ourselves, for old and young, for those who have kept safe and stayed at home during the last five months, for children and young people unable to go to school, meet up with friends, 
take part in normal activities. Father, you know the effect all this has had on so many lives, and we pray for their mental well-being, the mental well-being of each. May we continue to do our part, keeping in contact by phone, email, letter, etc., in whatever way possible. And will you draw near and bless each one? And if the road has been or is rough and steep, may their eyes be fixed on you. As a church, we pray for much wisdom and guidance through the coming weeks concerning plans for services and other activities. Father, you know how much we long to meet together in our church, to hear your word, sing your praises and worship you. We bring our prayers to you, knowing you will answer them, but maybe in ways we don't expect, but according to your will. Amen. To conclude, a challenge from a gospel hymn. Hear the call of the kingdom to be people of light. With the mercy of heaven, the humility of Christ, walking justly before him, loving all that is right, that the light of Christ may shine through us. King of heaven, we will answer the call. We will follow, bring hope to the world, filled with passion, filled with power to proclaim salvation in Jesus' name. Amen.
you know, God can intervene in our lives and call us to serve him and to be like the branches of the mustard tree from Matthew's Gospel. And he can do so in the most unexpected and remarkable ways, no matter who we are, how old or young we are, where we live or where we work. And this short video describes how God called a young girl called Sarah to serve him and to share his love in a very powerful way, just by working in Starbucks.
Sometimes in the autumn, I pick up an acorn that's fallen from the oak tree growing in our garden and, and I'm blown away by the fact that such a massive tree has grown from such a tiny seed. I almost want to say that such growth is miraculous. It isn't, of course, because what happens is, is entirely explicable in scientific terms, but that doesn't stop it being absolutely amazing. And every so often it does us no harm at all to pause, to ponder, and to wonder at the marvels of creation. Looking at the parable of the mustard seed, it's evident that Jesus was no dendrologist, which is the technical term for someone who studies trees and shrubs. Is the mustard seed really the smallest of all the seeds? Well, no, technically it isn't. The orchid seed is smaller, for example, but it's still tiny. And does it grow into a tree like, like this one behind me? Well, again, Jesus may be exaggerating a bit here. It grows, it grows big, but not that big. Mustard plants can grow to be 10 feet tall and birds may sometimes shelter among the leaves, but they don't tend to nest in the branches. So it's clear that Jesus was speaking colloquially here rather than aiming for scientific precision. But that doesn't invalidate the point of the parable, which is the exaggerated contrast between a tiny seed and a massive plant which comes from it. And why pick a mustard seed to make this point? Well, perhaps that's because the mustard seed grows in a single season from that tiny seed to a 10 foot plant. And as such, it lends itself well to the vivid contrast that Jesus draws here. Something small, something massive within a short space of time. And actually this transformation from a seed into a plant does beg a belief a bit, doesn't it? I mean, if you weren't aware that these tiny seeds had such a capacity for phenomenal growth, you might be tempted to think that they're useless, not worth anything, and not bother planting them. But then, of course, if you don't plant them, then nothing happens, and that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy for the cynic who didn't believe the seeds were any good in the first place. Now, you need to have a little bit of faith to plant the seeds, and then you wait, and you see what happens. And those of you who grow plants from seeds will know how important it is to get the, the correct type of soil or compost, the right amount of water, sunlight. You get all of these things sorted and then, and then you watch and you wait for the seeds to germinate and for the plants to grow. And if we're honest, we recognise that that capacity for growth lies in the seed itself. All we can do is facilitate that growth. We can't make it happen we can just create the right conditions for it to happen. And in the ancient world, people knew enough about farming to, to get the conditions right for seeds to grow. But they recognised that the, the actual growing of the seed, the bearing fruit of the plant, well, that was God's doing. And as human beings, we do our bit when we plant and water, but God provides the growth. And when that happens, a seed which at first sight looks so tiny and significant, turns into a plant out of all proportion to its size. And in what way, might you ask, is the kingdom of heaven like this? Well, think about that tiny seed. Someone who looks at a seed with, with faith and with understanding sees all the potential for exponential growth hidden in that seed. Appearances can be deceptive. And sometimes we, we look at ourselves and think, well, who am I? What am I worth? What difference could I possibly make? It's all too easy for us to focus on our own apparent insignificance. But if you are in the kingdom, 
then God has wrapped up inside you a phenomenal amount of potential for the extraordinary to happen through you. You say or do something for someone else at God's bidding, and what you say or do might not amount to very much in itself. But when the Holy Spirit works or speaks through your deeds or your words, then God can do something amazing in that person's life. To say, there's nothing I can do, is to ignore the capacity your seed has to grow and bear fruit for God. And if you don't bother planting anything, you don't bother saying or doing anything, then surprise, surprise, nothing grows and we tell ourselves that we were right all along. But if you are a follower of Jesus, then God says, look, I've put my spirit in you. The source of all life is in you. And that means that whatever you do for God, however small or insignificant it may be in your eyes, God can work through that to do something amazing. So don't make the mistake of thinking that you don't count, that you don't matter. Because in God's kingdom, no one, absolutely no one is insignificant. Think back to the first of the videos we watched earlier in the service. All those people from different nationalities all over the world, living for Jesus, serving Jesus, each of them a living demonstration of the truth of Jesus' parable. A parable originally spoken to a crowd of uncomprehending people in rural Galilee, a bunch of nobodies in the middle of nowhere. But these people turned the world upside down because God worked through them in amazing and powerful ways. It's what God does. So yes, we could point to the existence of Christianity as the largest world religion, as evidence of the truth of Jesus' parable. And even if a fair chunk of the church today may be light years from what Jesus had in mind when he spoke of the kingdom, there's no denying the phenomenal growth of the church from those insignificant beginnings. The tiny seed has become a massive tree and the birds of the air nesting in its branches serve as a picture of the way in which people from every nationality are welcomed and find their home in God's kingdom. The parable has come true. It has been fulfilled. But how? It happened as individual believers spoke about their faith, served and prayed for those around them. And when they did these little things, God did amazing stuff through them. So next time God lays it on your heart to pray for someone, don't, don't shy away from that thinking, what difference can my faltering prayer make to their situation? The answer is all the difference in the world. Because your prayer is like a tiny seed that has the capacity to turn into a massive tree. It opens the door for God to work through you. The same goes for those times when we feel perhaps I should ring someone up and talk to them or, or maybe do some act of kindness to a friend or a neighbour. In our eyes, those words, those deeds may not amount to very much. But when God takes them, when God works through them, then wow, who'd have thought that such a small thing could make so much difference? But it can and it does when God works through you. So next time you feel there's nothing you could do that would make the slightest difference. Remember the mustard seed and think again. It's in your weakness that God's power is made perfect.
eternal God and Father, by whose power we are created and by whose love we are redeemed, guide and strengthen us by your Spirit, that we may give ourselves to your service and live this day and the coming days in love to one another, to our world and to you. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. Amen. Oh,